What's up, guys? This is Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Make sure to check out the latest addition to the Ringer lineup, Music Exists. Each week, Chris Ryan and Chuck Klosterman ask and answer questions about their love of music while exploring the role of concerts, locations, fandom, criticism, genre, lyrics, and much, much more. You can listen to new episodes of Music Exists and follow along every week for free on Spotify. gods are coming and they're very angry welcome to the recapables west world part of the ringer podcast network i am your very human host david shoemaker Today, we are recapping Season 3, Episode 1, Parse Domine, and I'm joined for my laboratory debriefing this week by the one and only Danny Heifetz. Danny, what's your tweet-length review of Parse Domine? Any AI that can fix the traffic in Los Angeles is far too powerful. (laughs) All right. Well, um, that's what you think happened. Now, here is everything that happened. Analysis. In the time of a bear market, there's nothing as compelling as a rich man selling stocks. So here we have Jerry, a tech dude, if his snug black t-shirt is any indication, who's getting out of his Westworld investment and also being a dick to his wife. He goes to bed and wakes up and his hands are tied in his home computer system. This is the future, remember, is not working. Then he looks out in his pool and our girl Dolores has taken a midnight skinny dip. Jerry's all like, who the fuck are you? And Dolores is like, we've met in Westworld, where he brutalized her before his first marriage, where he brutalized and killed his wife. Now he's on wife number two, and he's, he's abusive to her as well. Dolores knows everything about him. She read his book, don't you know? And she gets him to give her all the confidential info he took from his old company, Insight. Remember that name. Then he tries to hit her with a golf club, and she teleports away, and he falls in the pool and hits his head and dies. Cut to Aaron Paul, motherfucker, who's dodging phone calls from his old army buddy, Kid Cuddy. Aaron Paul, or Caleb, as we're calling him now, works a construction job with a rock'em sock'em robot named George in a, in a world where everyone's job is decided by a computer. He also does side work in some kind of Uber app for the criminal gig economy. He delivers an illicit backpack to Lena Waithe and Marshawn Lynch, who seem cool. Caleb is messed up from his military service, and he's struggling to find his place in this real-slash-computerized world. Look, is there anything I should be working on to make myself a better candidate? Like I said, your application was strong. We just don't have anything that would be a great fit for you right now. Sure, but if, um, you know, if I'm not a good fit, is there a different shape I could squeeze myself into? Charlotte Hale, or something that looks like her, arrives at the Delos board meeting where she talks about the Westworld brand and how they're going to start business back up. The rest of the board isn't so hot on that idea, but she has the backing of a droid proxy vote. I wonder who that's from. Hmm. Oh, and they're blaming Bernard, who everyone still thinks is human, remember, for the Westworld massacre. Bernard, for his part, is in hiding, working with cows and stuff and running self-diagnostics to make sure Dolores isn't secretly contacting him. Eventually, he's found out by two mean co-workers who, you know, saw his face on the news and they jump him, but Bernard pushes the badass button and beats the shit out of them. And later, he gets on a fishing boat and sails off into the unknown, a.k.a. Westworld. Prompt, would you ever lie to me, Bernard? 
When she's not blackmailing minor tech dudes, Dolores is seducing big-time tech gurus, specifically technologist of the year Liam Dempsey Jr., who runs the aforementioned Insight and whose father invented a giant red and black floating ball called Rehoboam, which coordinates and directs every single human in society or something like that. Dolores' beau is dragged off to a meeting by a Scottish handler apparently named Mark Martin Connells, and Dolores follows them on a bat cycle and hits up a swanky hotel pool where she spies on Liam meeting with an Insight agent who's like, Rehoboam is compromised and my unnamed superior thinks you're full of it. So of course he's preoccupied during their romantic evening and Dolores is about to get him to tell him who the real power broker in charge of Rehoboam is, but zap, Scottish Martin comes in and incapacitates her because he's figured out she's not who she says she is. I don't know who the fuck this is, but I'm pretty confident she's not a dead teenager from Kiev. Mm. No. They throw her in a big hover thingy and they fly off. When they land, there's a handful of uber criminals there, including Aaron Paul, who doesn't even want the job. He leaves and gets on the phone with Kid Cudi again, and Caleb, surprise, acknowledges that he's been talking to a robot version of his friend all along because Cudi died in the army. Caleb says if he's going to get on with his life, he needs to find something real to care about. So what do you want to do? Someone real. Anyway, Scottish Martin throws Dolores still out cold into a car where they shoot her up with something, but it's not working on her. And then a mysterious car pulls up and Dolores springs into action and shoots everybody and drives off in pursuit of Scottish Martin, who somehow escaped. She catches him and he tells her that it's Ciroc who's in charge of everything and that he's already watching her, of course. Then the mystery car pulls up again and fake Scottish Martin gets out and kills real Scottish Martin. It's host doppelganger season on Westworld. He leaves and Dolores gets in a shootout with uh, more Rehoboam guards and she barely makes it out and then she collapses into the arms of Jesse Pinkman, I mean Caleb, who has found his real thing. Oh, and uh, Maeve wakes up in Nazi world. The end. Do you know where you are? All right, so, well, that was a lot of stuff. Um, the big idea this week, unsurprisingly, maybe, is Reset. Um, we're in a whole new show, it feels like, Danny. Yeah, I mean, this was the first Westworld epi new episode in almost two years. And what kind of blew my mind was you did not need to really watch season two to follow what was happening in this episode. Like, you could have gotten 80 or 90% of what was going on if you had just seen season one and yet as someone who obsesses it over it, like I do, I loved it. And I, I'm, I'm really impressed. They threaded that needle. You could have gotten 80 or 90% of what's going on. If you watched the previously on Westworld montage at the beginning, I'm assuming, <laughs> I mean, th this is a very, very different show. And with that, with the exception of Maeve, who we're going to circle back to later on, I mean, the show itself was so self-contained. It was like so, it was, I mean, I think really, really sleekly done. And I guess the whole episode is sleek in a lot of different ways. But um, this is, you know, a lot of, there's some reviewers out there that have seen more than one episode. We should stipulate that up front. We've only seen this one of this season. And uh, judging based only on what we're seeing here, and I guess what we've seen in some trailers and stuff, um, this feels like a very, very different show. So I'm asking you, this is more of a question of opinion. Um, than fact at this point is this are we looking at a total reset of Westworld or is this sort of a head fake like are we going to be back in 
back on Westworld Island before the season's over? Are we going to be like, you know, is this going to be another world of hosts? Like, what, what, what do you what do you expect for what we're getting into? Let's just get that out of the way. Well, we're definitely going to see Westworld again. One, because Bernard is getting on a boat and heading there. And then also because we saw Maeve in the post credit scene is seems to be in a World War II park. So we're going to see Westworld again. But the main show definitely seems to be about Los Angeles, apparently, and jet setting around London and L.A. Yeah, I mean, so Dolores' storyline is basically international espionage, right? Yeah, she's James Bond meets Rambo. Yeah, and 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 Caleb is the sort of uh, the the Aaron Paul character is the sort of just like just you know seedy blue collar crime story. Uh, you know Bernard, we only got a little bit of that. It's kind of hard to characterize it, and obviously Maeve is more of a Westworld thing. But the, I mean, but like the futuristic espionage and crime storylines are are which have which intersect at the end. Um. I mean, that's a compl- that's something we've really never seen before from this no, show. But also, it was, I, but also, those scenes were good, which is really important. <laughs> like because the, mm-hmm. Westworld's had a lot of cool set pieces that kind of sucked. Like Westworld's been like, all right, we're gonna have some Confederate soldiers go against like a tactical SWAT team, and it'll be cool. And then no, it actually kind of was pretty boring. But then these scenes were really fun. Like the Dolores action scenes were exciting and actually good, yeah. well choreographed fight scenes. The Bernard fight scene was one of the better hand-to-hand combat scenes that Westworld's had with just fists. It was a lot more Avengers-like. It was a lot more like superheroes. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Dolores' character, even though, you know, in the context, I mean, in the context of any action movie, it's like this, but in the context of the story so far, she has a sort of, like, functional purpose, right? I mean, she's, she is pursuing a thing, and, it's, and, there, and obstacles will get in her way, and blah, blah, blah. But when she's, like, when she was awake and acting, Evan Rachel Wood was... I mean, in, in previous seasons, she was sort of, I mean, because of who she was playing, she was like acting like she's acting, right? I mean, there, she's like two degrees away from any sort of humanity. Now she's like actually just playing a character. And it's really, I mean, amazing sort of how compelling it is compared to what she was doing in the previous seasons. Um, so anyway, the w- what Westworld becomes, what the show becomes and what the world that we're playing around, what the sandbox becomes, I think is still a matter for, you know, we'll find out in the future. Uh, no pun intended. So let's just go ahead and jump into the big questions of the show because there are a lot of questions that are just begging to be answered that I think will help us tear through a lot of this material. Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? Um, first question, because I think it's easy to answer. Um, where is Bernard? So Bernard is in the Philippines. We see in... We see a sign behind him when he gets on that boat at the end for Palawan Island, which is in the Philippines. And then he's trying to get to Westworld. We see on the map he's holding Westworld is in the South China Sea, probably in islands that have yet to be built in our current real world. And he's heading back because I guess he got pinned for 100 plus murders. That's when Charlotte says (laughs) uh, robots don't kill people. People kill people. Yeah. Great irony there. Okay, And just let's backtrack here for everybody who's as confused as, as I am. Bernard did not make it off the island. He made it. Uh, Dolores escaped with his brain ball into the real world and then re and then rebuilt him. Correct. Yes. So we heard Charlotte, who isn't even Charlotte because Charlotte Hale is dead and there is we'll a get copy to that of her sec, body. Yeah. yeah, we'll get there. But she said that there were three months ahead of like the, the disaster at the park. It happened three months ago. So they Dolores kind of got off the island about or got off the Westworld park place in south china sea like two weeks after it so they've been there for two months basically so we think bernard it, this is taking place about two months or so after season two ended give or take 
Right. So Bernard was rebuilt when Dolores got to uh, Arnold's house in the real world, and then, but what? So what? But what happened between then and now? She was it decided that he was going to take the blame, and so they like sent him away to to the Philippines. You think, or I mean, like, wh- like why is he on walkabout as opposed to being locked in a closet somewhere? Oh, we have no idea. And I think that's one of the reasons they kind of actually didn't address it in this episode is I think they're trying to bring in people who didn't really either watch the second season dropped off or just maybe watch season one or even the people who watched the show when it was on. It was on almost two years ago. It's yeah, such a detail oriented show that it happened. Even if you've been catching up and reading Reddit and all this stuff. Two years is a long time, and there's a lot of TV. And I think it would be really presumptuous if not only did the show come back, but it's like, hey, remember how Dolores was in this body, and then it was in this body, and then she created Bernard out of this body? It's just too much too soon. I think it's smart. No, none of that, to, really, that was that was all a lot to digest too. Anyway, I mean, if even if you're paying a lot of attention, as we were exactly. when we did our recap episode, so go back and listen to those. We are slightly helpful, I think, exactly. slightly. So uh, I think. I think it's smart to not address those things until I think we'll get to those questions later in the season, but I think it was smart. They didn't address it now. And it's just, all right, something happened where Bernard and Dolores split up. We don't know why. And it might not matter. All right. So let's get to Charlotte. Um, we, we see Charlotte getting off of a helicarrier thing and smoking a cigarette and going into this Dallas board meeting where the odds are stacked against her, except of course, Charlotte Hale is in charge. Uh, she, everybody's sort of like, why? I mean, shouldn't we be shutting this thing down because of this massacre? Sort of feels like a conversation that should have happened less than three months after the fact. But anyway, uh, and she's like, no, our brand is what's really important. And uh, it's and we're, we're more badass than ever. People are going to be pouring in because of the massacre. That's a little bit suspect. And she's able to sort of make unilateral decisions or bilateral decisions because it's her and someone who is unnamed, who has a proxy vote that is a ro- that is a computer. Uh, with the two, the two of them combined, they can make, they can override, overrule anything the rest of the board wants. Now, uh, not to mention mute people. How badly do you want to mute people during a meeting? Well, the the, the funny thing is, I do have the power to mute you during this podcast. Uh, it would make the podcast really hard to follow, but um, we we do have that technology now, just not in person. Anyway, um, Dolores is i mean it was la- i mean the last time we saw charlotte hale well the, beside the very besides the very very end of the of the last episode of season 2 charlotte hale, hale was a host with dolores inside of her dolores's you know brain or whatever inside of her um presumably that's not the case now because dolores is dolores in the outside world so do we have any guesses as to who is inhabiting this charlotte hale host body uh, I, we have no idea we have no idea who it is uh, it could be i mean i'm Part of me wonders if it's Teddy. I think that's probably not the case, but I think Teddy would be the most interesting person uh, to be bringing back into the fold. But we truly right. have no idea. I'm curious if like, well, the, the most Reddit- o- the most logical answer would be like Angela or something. But like that is not particularly compelling. Like even as much as Angela, I mean, even when Angela like blew up the what did she blow up last the cradle. season? With the, 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 the cradle, the cradle, not the, the cloud that. Like the the backup disc. When she blew up, no offense to Angela, who's a lovely character, but like when she blew up the cradle last season, I was kind of like, well, they probably should have given that job to somebody I care about more. If if I'm supposed <laughs> to care about the cradle blowing up, right? So like that, something like that would be logical, but it wouldn't be particularly high impact. Um, well, the irony is that you know, Angela, like, the real life actress, used to date Elon Musk, and now we're in a world yeah. without Angela, but all the cars look like they were designed by Elon Musk. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, so we don't know who's inside Charlotte's head. People are going to be theorizing like crazy. Um, but hope that that's a reveal yet to come. 
another another you know question that was begged in this scene was who is the proxy vote? Uh, well, but the, but the I, same thing with the Char- we don't know who's in Charlotte, but we also don't know who's in that Irish henchman guy. I don't know who that guy's name is. I just called him Chibs from Sons of Anarchy. Shout out Chibs. Yeah, but we don't know who that the guy who replaced him. We have no idea who that host is in his body either, because that's obviously a really creepy thing that they're just replacing people with copies of yourself. That's just really dark. But we have no idea who that who what host was in there. So was it the same person who's in Charlotte or does she have three different people hanging out where they're and it's just like her little well, gang? Okay, so so let's get back to let's, let's briefly dip into the the technical historical aspect of this. Uh, Dolores in Charlotte's body left Westworld Island at the end of season two with a bag full of host brains and <laughs> yeah uh presume presumably because of there there weren't a million of them she she picked them deliberately so you know she has she has you know 20 or so whatever like people that she'd saved and that she plans to use to sort of populate her new army um you know my my guess on first read was that martin is the irish guy's name and i only know that from imdb or scottish guy's name sorry i only know that from imdb um my guess was that he was teddy chips. and that was yeah, that chibs, whatever. My guess is that he, that was Teddy inside of him only because he they went out of their way to show that he was like that he cared about the fact that Dolores was injured, like that he had a like personal care for her. I completely um, agree. And also, I think there was also if it was Teddy, I think it would also speak to the relationship where Teddy's showing concern for Dolores. But then Dolores says, I'm fine. And Dolores isn't yeah. showing concern for herself, which will probably be a theme throughout. So, yeah, I think Teddy being in that uh, in. The, the new the new chips from Sons of Anarchy would be the most um, interesting thing. Is there anybody else in Charlotte's crew? I mean, that, that you would theorize that we that you think we're going to see in the future from past characters. Yeah, I'm curious what happened to her dad because she seems to really care about her dad. I'm I'm curious if Peter Abernathy is any of the people. I don't know if that would make sense, but I'm curious. It seems wh- whether she wants her dad to just be happy and put her up and hit him up in the cloud or bring him back and hang out with him. I'd be curious if she did anything about that. Um, all right. And is it possible, this is totally just, maybe I'm crazy. Is it possible that Charlotte Hale's mind is Charlotte Hale? I mean, is it possible that there's like, that, that Dolores saved a few humans that she thought would be useful along the way? No. Okay, or at least good. it would, least it would require covered. a further complete reexamination of the season two finale that was already so absurdly complicated that they took two years off and decided to completely reset the show. I would be shocked You're, if they just decided that one needed further work. Well, I appreciate your confidence in them. Um, <laughs> this show's been very clear. This show's been very clear. So what, one, the, the, other, the other mystery throughout the show, I mean, there are these two things, and I'm assuming they're connected. One is the, the mystery computer proxy from that board meeting with Charlotte. And then later with the meeting that, that, uh, that, that Liam had with the... I believe unnamed uh, person who I think was a Delos employee. She was talking about her superior who was conspicuously unnamed. My initial reading was that both of these are William, AKA the man in black, but is there, is there something I'm possibly missing here? I don't know. That seems to be the obvious connection, but we don't know. I'm curious if there's a connection between, they keep talking about the architect of this AI project. I I assume because they asked who died and put her in charge. It seems that William probably died and put her in charge. We don't really know. Because uh, she asked, is that a rhetorical question? But well, I think the implication there was that like everybody died, right? I mean, everybody, yes. all, all of the Dulles board members just got shot. Yes, I, I think the person in the chair is clearly a mystery, and I think the implication is it might be William, but that might be a head fake to come. 
All right, cool. So wait, and then am I right in thinking that this is the same mystery person or am I wrong? Who, who, the woman who, when Liam is meeting on the rooftop thing, is that, is, is she talking? Is she a Dallas representative too? No, I don't think so. So this is the woman who threatens uh, Liam, Dolores's boyfriend's life in that rooftop as Dolores is spying on her and they have that weird meeting. I don't know. Yeah. She's not a Delos employee. I believe she works for Insight or whether or not officially. I think she represents the architect, the the mysterious dude that kind of built the AI machine with Liam's father and is kind of like right. the ghost hovering over this. She represents him and she was kind of delivering a message that she thinks that Liam, who is the son of his co-founder, like is messing up and she threatens his life, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, I think she represents... So we have to get into this whole insight Rehoboam thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, but since you just part. mentioned it, let's take this in reverse order. At the very end, Scottish Martin uh, tells Dolores that it's Ciroc who's in charge and who's probably already watching her. So is is that P. the Diddy. answer to who this... Yeah, it's a whole what? vodka commercial. It's a vodka commercial. That's the whole thing. <laughs> is are we are Ciroc is on IMDb like we know he's been announced in press releases we know who this dude is but is the implication that this is the guy who helped Liam's father Liam senior build Rehoboam or is this just some other evil genius uh it seems that there is an architect of this AI project and they refer to it at one point as like the AI that saved the world I believe the right. implication is that AI solved climate change and AI solved overpopulation. And no, all no, no, no. Yes, I get all that. The, my, okay. my, my only question is, is what was the mystery of who this man is solved when Martin said it's Ciroc at the end? I believe there's either two people with a co-founder and the guy who designed the AI, but I think it's one person. I think the co-founder, okay. the other co-founder is the guy who designed the architected. Now the let's AI. talk about Rehoboam, who is, uh, what is a giant so how do you black say and it? red Rehoboam. Rehoboam. How do you? How do you have any? I did not hear. I listened to this twenty times. I could not figure out what the name of the AI was. Reho, Rehobo, what? Yeah, I just called Rehoboam. it. I'm just gonna call it like Ro. Okay, Ro is great. So Rehoboam is this uh, <laughs> giant red and black ball which controls the path of every person. It's sort of like if we organize humans like ants, and society will run more fluidly, and everybody's bought into this thing except uh, Caleb, our dude, um, and maybe Dolores too. Um, it's, that seems a little bit weird, but okay. So no, in this, it's amazing in this you mentioned that because that was one of the first things they brought up actually in season two was ants and comparing the host to ants. And now it does seem that human society has been organized like ants. Right. So that's the name of this thing. Rehoboam is named after uh, an Israelite king, I believe. Caleb, also, you can get your Google out, your Google machine out and figure out uh, the, the the metaphorical implications of these um, very significant biblical names. But... We'll save that for a future episode as far as our discussion. Um, what we know is there is this machine that is categorizing and sorting and and putting every person and putting them on career paths and everything else. We see this playing out in the person of Caleb, a.k.a. Aaron Paul, who is back from the army and trying to kind of work his way into a good job. And apparently it's like like the way that you get star ratings as a passenger or a driver on Uber, you kind of get like, you know, ratings as you go about your life and the better you do, the better job you're applying for and everything else. The job application part seemed a little bit weird to me because it seems like if this machine's in charge of all this shit, can't they just place you in the job instead of going in for an interview or whatever? Yeah, but well, anyway, setting that aside, this is th that you that's what you took from it, too, right? There's this machine yeah. that's just governing everything. So the official, ins there's a website for this company. <laughs> uh, they made a website. If you Google Insight, I-N-C-I-T-E, uh, you can Google it, and they have a fairly well-designed, but some of the questions on it are tired. Well, the whole premise of the thing is uh, the only choice you need to make is us. 
And then some of the questions on there are tired of befriending strangers. Insight can show you who your real friends are. Got junk in your cart. Insight can get you what's missing in your life. Are you networking and not getting you anywhere? Insight can win you your dream job. Are you overliving through filters and friends vacations? Insight can bring you a life worth a thousand pictures. And it just goes on and on and on. Music is not feeling made for you. Insight can play you what's stuck in your head. And it's like this dystopian idea of, yeah, what you're saying, where it's not just, it's the AI knows everything about you. The AI knows more about you than you do. That is terrifying. Uh, and yet, uh, shockingly plausible. Um, it is. And I, okay. but, I, I, but I think the flip, did you mention, you mentioned the Aaron Paul's app, or you want to get to that in a second? What, the criminal app? The criminal app. Yeah, what's that thing? What was it called? Rico. Which Rico. is an amazing name for the gig economy crime network, which I thought yes. was the funny. That was I was very thrilled that this existed because I needed I needed something to make me laugh during this episode. The characters still do not have any type of sense of humor whatsoever, but at least the show has one, which I feel like is a compromise. But the Rico <laughs> app, I paused it and I looked at the screen and here are the rules for the Rico crime app, which is like being a task rabbit, for, but for drug dealing and, and robbing ATMs. Right. Keep it clean. No blood, no guts, minimal mayhem. Don't even think about it unless you've got stats of 3.0 or higher. So you have to leave your co-crime conspirators a review afterward. <laughs> so you have to rate your associates that you completed the crime with. And Marshawn Lynch's username which is Aaron Paul. Oh, yeah, we haven't even talked about Marshall Lynch yet, but he's the guy yeah. that Aaron Paul's rolling with. And this, his username on the Rico app is Giggles24. With <laughs> <laughs> all caps. So, okay, let's talk about Aaron Paul a little bit. Let's let's go through his little, let's go through the Aaron, let's go through Caleb's day to see what we can learn about the human world from Aaron Paul. So we talked about it just then. He works, he, he's he's ex-military. He's, you know, traumatized to some degree. He's got a therapy session going on. He's also got this thing where he talks to Kid Cuddy, his old platoon mate, in his ear, like on the phone. Like it's a on it's a living uh AI phone call where Kid Cuddy doesn't exist, but he's ha- he's kind of like keeping him sane by having these conversations. It's unclear if this is like What's part of the Rehoboam. Exi- it's not he doesn't exist. It seems like he died and then they had AI. Well, at least this was my read of it. It seems that it, Kid Cuddy was his best friend. And then he died during the war, it seems. Whatever conflict that is, we don't know. But then right. it seems based on what we were watching the show, because they refer to it as the VA. And at the VA hospital, my read on it was that they have tried to solve PTSD by completely surveilling and taking all this data and recording everything soldiers say to each other. And then when they get trauma from losing a friend, they just recreate that friend through AI right. and then... Because they don't have enough therapists at the VA, because I guess even 40 years from now, we won't be able to fix the VA. So they just, I mean, literally the therapist says, there are not enough of me. I have too many patients. So the program works. And the program is in place of talking to a human being. You can talk to your friend. So they use the AI to recreate your old friend who's, who is dead. And they can be your therapist because your therapist doesn't have time for you. Exactly. But we know from the end that it's not 100% the friend. It's all it's a friend interspersed with like philosophical or like ther- or like therapy therapy keywords or whatever. Yeah, because... they're using his voice though, which is so messed up. Right. Okay. So that so he does that and then on the side he's working his way up at the at the at the current place he's not very motivated whatever. He's got a just sort of menial job in 
like manual labor where he's sort of like the assistant to this like chappy robot who is doing construction work and they're they like sit sit with each other and eat lunch and whatever else but towards well, the end manual starts, labor but it seems that manual labor has become the, the bare bones to even have a man quote-unquote manual labor job is can you operate the machine that's doing manual labor like running those computers is now the blue collar work Right, exactly. So at, at the end, though, he starts kind of getting his act together. He puts on a suit and a tie. He starts interviewing for better jobs. But on the side this whole time, and beginning and end, he's doing this criminal work on the Rico app uh, where he, like, logs on <laughs> and, you know, out. just, like, delivers backpacks full of drugs, I guess. Yeah, well, he's got to get his stats up. They keep telling him he doesn't have a good crime rating, and I think he's got to be giving out free water bottles during these drug deals, asking them if they yeah. like the music and everything. you got to get the five-star <laughs> rating, dude. Do you want to mint or do you charge your phone? Exactly. The, um, <laughs> He's got to bring phone but, but they, charges with him. He, he repeatedly says that he doesn't do personals. Do we have any idea what a personal is in this case? I'm not sure what a personal is now. I imagine we'll find out, but I think it's more about like, his moral code. I think it's he seems like he's got a code guy because he tells in he tells Francis at one point on the phone that like Francis asks if he has his implant, which I imagine is some kind yeah. of chemical implant that and he's like, no, right. I, I like I need the rough edges. So I think there's def because there's also like these weird drugs in this society that he doesn't seem super into. So I think that he definitely has some kind of code and is kind of fed up with. But he doesn't. But, but he doesn't mind clearly like trafficking some drugs. It's just there's something called a personal, which I'm. It's either I don't know what it is. My 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 read just because of the name was that it's some sort of like like sadomasochism thing. You know, it's like oh, I, the, I want you to do a crime to me. Um, oh, but that doesn't really. I, that's jive. not how I was looking at it. But maybe I'm wrong. I, I think. But the, the broader the broader point about the human world, though, and what's going on in the human world is I, just it's become further stratified. And it's obviously just a, a track of people who have a lot of money and can purchase their own way through the justice system and everyone else. And that was very clear. They kind of bang right. you over the head with it. Like the first scene, he's like, I pay the rich dude who Dolores ended up like kind of killing is, you know, he's like, I pay you so I have to wait in line. And then there's that scene right. where the. The annoying rich kid who's like tripping on future acid or whatever is like he gets, you know, he's high net worth individual. So the rules are different for him. And then meanwhile, Aaron Paul's lines are mostly cribbed from season four of The Wire, where it's just like the game yeah. is rigged and nobody wins. And it, it, it's very on the nose about this, like the society is people matter less and less than they used to in every domain. Um, but going back to the previous point, I don't think that that's actually what a personal is. I think it just has to do with people. I just, I mean, I think that like we saw him at the end when like they were dragging, when he saw potentially saw Dolores's like limp body, he was like, no, no, I don't do I, My guess is that his moral code is like, I will deliver drugs. I will like pull some petty crimes. I'm not going to like do anything that involves harm to a human being. That, that would be oh, my okay. guess. But regardless, that sense. It, or maybe he's it a, a B2B. Moral, Maybe he's a wholesaler. He doesn't want to do personal. He's just like a business to business kind of guy. Well, that's what that's that's I mean, that's totally plausible. It would just it would just require like Rico to be super organized about like the level of or the, you know, the types of companies that are requiring help. Also, what makes you I think guess Rico personal, can't be super organized? Looks like a very no, well no, it designed can. app. It, 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 ab it absolutely can. It looks like it knows it's way more organized than anything I have on my Charlotte phone. Charlotte and Charlotte and Dello should take branding advice from Rico because they seem to really understand their brand. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, okay, let's set that aside for a second. We're going to learn way more about the real world, the real human world and everything else, uh, I think, in future episodes. The other big thing that happened in this show that we need to really interrogate, well, as best we can, no, and that, I guess no pun intended, I should have said, uh, is uh, Maeve in uh, Ma the post credit sequence where Maeve wakes up in Nazi world. The pun was um, intended. How dare you The pun was literally not the intended. Pun the pun was I unintended. Do, I do not believe you. 
you're lying to yourself if that's the case. So Maeve wakes up. She's like, where the hell am I? She leaves. She walks out of the room and there's a dude tied to a chair who Maeve realizes she just beat the shit out of. She looks out the window and it's Nazi land. Um, we are assuming that this is a new another world in the, the Westworld Park, the greater Westworld Park, uh, where you get to live out your World War II fantasies, I guess. Um, we saw at the end of, well, r- remind us where we left Maeve at the end of season two. She was dead. She was shot dead and she was left on a pile of bodies and then tossed to Felix and Sylvester. And someone was like, can you guys handle this? And they're like, sure. So obviously they have resurrected her somehow. Or the question is, what we don't know is, is she wiped of her memory? Like how much of season two, one and two does she remember? And also she had her power, like at the end of season one and two, she could, she was like a God basically, or a witch. She could control the host. Has she been wiped of her memory and has she been wiped of her power? And then also we're assuming she's in a park. And but those two questions are massive, obviously, about whether she can get out or whatever she wants. But my read was that she who knows about her power? That is a big question. My read is that the moment that we see her is her kind of regaining consciousness, because clearly she was there 30 seconds before she before that scene began. But that was the moment where she was like, where the hell am I? So maybe they just like that. We'll we'll see. But my real my real take, though, is I would much rather go to Nazi world than Westworld. Like, this just seems like a better time. Because, I mean, I'm assuming you're not going to be a Nazi, right? I'm assuming you're going to be killing the Nazis. I'd rather kill Nazis on my vacation than like, because in the Westworld, like, being a cowboy is like, you still have to like ride a horse and like, just, it just, you know, be grit. Like, I, Nazi world seems like a cool vacation because, you know, you come back from a vacation and you're like, oh, what'd you guys do? It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we went to Palm Springs, went to the spa, was relaxing. What did you guys do? And it's like, we stormed Normandy. We did D-Day. That was our vacation. That seems cool. I would rather pay for that than just pay for, I rode my horse around and like I robbed a bank, but we had to do four days of scouting and going through the desert. That just sounds like a lot of tediousness. All right. I guess, I guess that's why they have all these different parks because the thought of storming Normandy just gives me chest pain. Uh, And I but the idea of like putting on a bolo tie and drinking whiskey sounds like an amazing vacation to me. But anyway, we will we will uh, be able to litigate the differences between the various worlds in the future. Um, I think that's it for the big questions of the show. Did we we got through most of it, right? Now we got to move on to some stupid questions. Yeah, um, stupid. We, there's a lot of stupid questions too. What? Uh, let's see. Well, we met Lena Waithe and Marshawn Lynch. We just they're just like a, a criminal duo. We, um, I need Marshawn Lynch's shirt. Where do I get it? That's my first stupid question because it's showing all of his emotions in the moment. Did you see that? Yeah, it's amazing. Do you think the shirt's going to be for sale? Is this shirt already for sale somewhere? That's a great question. I bet it must be. Because the shirt says amused, and then the guy punches him in the face, and it instantly turns to angry. That's the word that's lit up. And I was like, wow, I I really need that. This shirt, like, 100% existed when I was in middle school. I'm not, like, there were, like, Technicolor shirt, or what was it called? Hypercolor shirts. And this is this is not too far away from a thing that has existed in my lifetime. You were probably not born yet. Um, But it it was definitely a cool shirt. Um, were you he's as also high like, as Marshawn Lynch was when he was ex- wearing the shirt? That's exactly where I was going to go. He's high <laughs> as hell in this. The first scene, he's just playing because they're like, are you okay? He's like, I'm definitely not okay. And he's just playing with his hands the whole scene. It's what amazing. did Lena call it? Said she was, he was dipping or something? I uh, I couldn't tell if she said tripping or dipping. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. I think but. she said dipping, but th- but is your guess that this is going to be like the drug use is going to be super prevalent or is this just sort of a one-off thing to establish the scene? I think that was just Marshawn Lynch wanted to be in Westworld and does whatever he wants. And I don't know. I thought it was really funny. I, I, I don't think the other people who were doing those cool like future drugs 
which just looked like circular tea bags. I didn't really understand what they were. I, those those yeah. people didn't look like they were having a good time. Marshall Lynch really looked like he was having a good time. So he's on some yeah, other those, shit. Those little tongue wafer things felt a lot like they were, that's just sort of like a personal reset, right? It like it kind of numbs your pain, puts you to sleep, just does every, you know, I'm sure just like gets you sort of in check. Um, apparently puts you down enough that like Dolores can come in and tie you up and it doesn't wake you up immediately. Yeah, yeah. Marshall Lynch is something else because there's that point where they, this is amazing. They blow up the ATM and they're like running away with the money or at least Lena Waithe and Aaron Paul are running away and Marshall Lynch is still staring at the screen with the bank teller who's smart and he's just smiling watching the video and Lena Waithe is like, come on. It was, it was really funny. I'm glad that they had something that was could make you laugh because I feel like 15 of the 20 previous Westworlds didn't episodes didn't really have a pretty funny moment this one had a few decently funny ones even if they're not like you know busting your your you slapping your knee or anything but love marshall lynch need more marshall lynch um yeah i think we all need more marshall lynch um they were the best care i mean well there was a lot of new characters in the show um okay here's a really stupid question for you I love stupid uh, our dude our dude liam um we actually didn't talk about him really specifically a lot, but Liam Dempsey Jr. is the guy that he's, Dolores is trying to infiltrate Insight and get or, you know get control of her hoboam or something. We don't know what her exact plan is, but she's doing it by seducing this dude, Liam Dempsey Jr., who is technologist of the year, apparently, but whose dad created this company along with mystery person. Maybe it's a rock. And uh, Liam is a figurehead, just sort of like, you know, he's a, he's a tech bro on the scene, but it turns out he doesn't actually have any power in his company. Every, he seems to be totally bossed around by um, Scottish Martin, and and then by the you know the woman he met on the, on the rooftop. That's the his his handler guy. Oh, okay. And um, and so this is this is a question that's a little bit far afield for you, but he was not listed on IMDb anywhere. His name, the actor's name, was in the HBO press release about the new season, but like the character's name is not online. Is there a reason why they would be keeping that a secret? Because they just went and like, put it on the screen. They actually didn't speak the name, I don't think, at any point in the episode either, but it did pop up on that graphic when he was winning the award. Why is it? Is there any good reason to be keeping that a secret? Um, I I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't really look at IMDb too much before I try to watch the show. I imagine the vast majority of viewers don't. No, no, I, I only did it because I was trying to put together the synopsis and I didn't, couldn't figure out the guy's name until you told me it was on the screen. Like, I watched every scene and they just, they, I don't I even think no they idea. said they the They released a whole promo video as a, like a commercial for Westworld, but just a YouTube video with like a commercial for Insight from the with world. Put it on YouTube with his dad. So obviously that's from like 15, 20 years ago because his dad's been dead for a little bit. But so they obviously had a plan. Uh, I, I don't know why it wouldn't be on IMDb, but. Happens. All right. Well, maybe they just didn't decide on his name until after they'd filmed the episode. I have a dumb like question. That. I have a stupid question. Okay. Ask me a dumb question. Why did they name two people who seem to be pretty important from the series, or one person, Ciroc, which everyone knows is a vodka company? And then why did they name the other massive important thing, this AI technology, Rehobo- Rehobolam, which nobody will be able to pronounce? Um, I'm guessing Rehobolam is a. Uh, literary illusion or metaphor or whatever you want to talk about the bible um Ciroc is besides being a vodka actually i don't even know if i don't even think it's spelled the same way is a well, how um, is anyone going to know so how Ciroc is spelled well presumably just, it'll be in close it'll Ciroc. be in the closed like, captioning oh, on, on sunday <laughs> i my um, when i heard Ciroc, my first thought was do you think that Ciroc paid for a spawn ad and they have it spelled differently but it's this is this is a vodka spawn 
Um, that would be amazing, especially considering the subject matter of the season. But no, I mean, uh, I'm just like Googling right now. And a Ciroc is a giant uh, figure, a, a giant ridge of glacial ice. Um, so it sounds French. The actor is playing him is spoiler alert French. And uh, I think that's it's, probably uh, also where they got the name for the vodka. Yeah, probably glacial so. ice. Um, I'm just nah, throwing it out there. Drink. It seems seems odd if they named the the massive big bad of the season is named after the vodka. I, I I'm going to be a little weirded out. I'm not going to be able to get it out of my head. I'm just saying it right now. Someone's got to say it. Yeah, maybe the mystery person sitting at the table who uh, gave the proxy vote is uh, is like board member Jack Daniels, and then we'll know that there's something uh, really <laughs> suspicious going on. Do you have any other? Do you have any other stupid questions from this episode? Is there anything else we need to go over? Um, the only thing. This is a dumb question. This is an unanswerable question. I just, at one point, I realized that the war, the conflict that Caleb fought in, Aaron Paul fought in with Kid Cudi, uh-huh. it occurred to me. I mean, obviously, that hasn't happened yet because we're 30 years in the future. I was wondering at one point if that would actually be a relevant military conflict to the show because they can either leave it, leave it as some vague conflict or that will be relevant to the world building of, oh, yeah, there was this war that set up this current reality we're in. And it occurred to me mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to be some vague property. But that's not really an answerable question, but it occurred to me. Yeah. And speaking of war, I mean, I think you're I think that you're right. It's unanswerable right now. But speaking of war, there's a whole lot of paramilitary in this episode. And I guess this kind of goes to the point you were making earlier about the sort of rich versus everyone else situation in the world. But in a world that where everything is completely dictated by this giant computer brain who's putting everybody in order, like, why would it be cool for there just to be like dune buggies with guys with machine guns everywhere. I don't know. I think the weirdest part of this is that there's no cameras anywhere still. I think that's the part I'm still confused about is that this is the future and we are current, like now us in 2020 live in a world where large parts of uh, industrialized countries have like surveillance everywhere. And it seems to be a solid use of authoritarian control. And then that just isn't the case anymore. In 30 years in the future, I think it's weird that guys can just walk around with guns. Maybe Rehoboam is the workaround, though. If everybody's logged into the system, if everybody, whether or not they want to, is part of this uh, sort of mesh network, if you will, um, then they don't need the cameras. Like, maybe that's the workaround to, the, to that question that's really obvious. And as far as the guns thing, I mean, I'll answer it myself. I think maybe it's that, like, you know, the, the, the very elite, the biggest companies in the world, these tech companies like Insight are sort of, I mean, obviously Insight, but like are exempt from their own rules, right? And then, and they can have paramilitary, but it does seem a little bit like, I'm not sure why you would even need that stuff um, unless, I mean, you, you wouldn't predict that Dolores would show up with a gun and try to challenge you, right? I mean, like, I, it, it all seems, it's, that part's a little bit confusing. I guess we'll probably get to that because that's a pretty obvious question. Let's move on to the awards for this episode. Um, I, well, I, I don't think it's too far-fetched to think about, yeah, these Silicon Valley companies, you know, eventually they're going to need some response teams, right? Yeah. You know, they're going to need... Do you think they already like have Facebook, response teams? I think Facebook, it's... I wouldn't be shocked if 10 years from now, Facebook is banging down my door with a SWAT team and is like, you have 40,000 notifications you have not checked. <laughs> you missed every birthday no. in 2027. And I'm like, all right, okay. And that's not... I could believe that in a heartbeat. This is a real question. I want everybody's answer to this. If someone tried to kidnap Mark Zuckerberg right now, if somebody went after Mark Zuckerberg, do you think there is a tactical team that would res- that is like present that would respond? My honest answer is I am so afraid of talking about what would happen in this. I'm not even going to address it. I don't even want to hypothetically talk about that possibility. Bobby says thumbs down. up. Yes, absolutely. I think billionaires don't take chances like that. 
I think I think 100% Mark Zuckerberg has like a SWAT team with hover cars within 100 feet of him at all times. And now I finally understand what you were trying to tell me. Before we get out of here, we have awards to give out. Uh, award number one for biggest, most shocking reveal. This wasn't a really reveal-filled episode. I mean, there was a lot of like, holy shit, we're in the real world. We're in London. We're in Los Angeles. Um... Well, I mean, I think the only big reveal, I mean, I could be missing something. Um, I mean, I guess we, no, Bernard the most shocking reveal was there's no traffic in Los Angeles anymore. That was the <laughs> reveal. They're like, guys, we figured out traffic. LA is perfect to drive through. You can, you know, a six mile commute takes six minutes now. That That is right. Well, if you're in a hover car or a whatever that helicopter, helicar, then that, that's, you know, that, that helps out a lot. Um, all right. Well, the, the the revelation that Kid Cudi was not actually a human in the in the entire episode was was I think the biggest like oh wow moment. It wasn't quite a holy shit moment, but it was like a sort of eyebrow raising moment. Um, and and but I think everything else is just like the table setting, right? It's like Bernard is around, but he's on walkabout. That's not a reveal, but that's like you know it's not. We didn't know he was going to be there. And there's a mystery person on the Delos board. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess there's been there, that was the only big reveal. Am I right? I, 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 if you're not satisfied with the mystery of LA traffic being solved, I, I really cannot help you. Okay, well, that's but fine. For the All most right. part, no, I think that for the most part, there were not that many reveals because they're trying to make this an accessible show. And I think they're succeeding. So I think at least in the first episode, it would be a little much if they were just constantly going into stuff. All right, let's hand out the award for uh, best quote or monologue. Um, this wasn't exactly a Dr. Robert Ford pontificating sort of episode, but there was some good stuff in here. What do you got, Danny? Uh, I don't. I, this was my favorite moment, or at least my my favorite back and forth in the show was when Liam's friend is talking about they're living in a simulation within a simulation, and he's telling this to Dolores, and he asks what she thinks, and which is just a beautiful moment. And she says, "I think people believe the things that help them." And then he says, "I'm an atheist," and she says, "You may not believe in a higher power, but your mind was designed to." And yeah, she explains that the, the nucleus accumbens, which is, I mean, what she claims is the part of your brain that allows people to believe in God. And he had just said earlier, like that Liam's company saved the world through algorithms or was the son of the guy who saved the world through algorithms. So I think the implication of this conversation is that humans will come to worship algorithms and obviously host a robot. The AI is the robot, but it seems like Rehoboam, however you say it, is going to become God or that seems to be the implication is people will worship no matter what. And that's a real life thing is people do worship. Yeah, that was not God or money or beauty or that was a great scene i mean part of it was expository but a lot of it was sort of unnecessary and it just sort of did set the stage for those sort of philosophical uh questions that we're gonna have to answer in the show this season um my favorite line uh came from our dude caleb aka jesse pinkman aka aaron paul who was uh got a got a call from the hr office at some place where he had interviewed and they said uh that he's not a good you know that he, he did he had a great application but he wasn't a good fit for the job and he said if i'm not a good fit is there a different shape i can fit into right now um yeah. which is just sort of was the, the human you know state of of dispossession i guess in one line then that it turned was the out realest to be- thing that, that might be the realest thing anyone said in westworld and like the whole show yeah that hit Oh, that was actually um, a, a oddly poignant from the like the humans don't really say poignant stuff in any of these shows in any of the episodes. That was the most poignant thing human characters said on the whole show. Totally true. And uh, that's a perfect segue into our next award. Uh, the, the This Maze Was Not Meant For You Award for the Dumbest Human. Um, 
Well, listen, we got we got our guy Liam, who uh, is unaware that this like perfect woman who is suddenly attracted to him is uh, maybe there's something a little bit fishy going on with her, especially when she starts asking him to give company secrets. Yeah, the the person who I mean, we, I don't think we ever see her again, but she the first thing she says to Dolores is, "You're not like the other woman you date. He dates he, you're you're pretty, which I mean is messed up, but it, <laughs> it seems the whole thing's a little crazy." how this is going on although it also seems like he's one of the richest people in the world so i don't know why it's weird because it seems like he's worth an infinite amount of money yeah you'd think he'd he'd, he'd probably find a lot of attractive women to date um the he but he's, he is a real he doesn't dodo. have a lot going especially on. when he he's it still takes his scottish martin buddies or you know uh, handler guy to tell him that something's going on when He's sitting there saying like like having a breakdown and Dolores is just like, let me help you and let me help you by you telling me all of the highest level secrets of your company that no one knows. No, I, mean, I don't want come but, on. Uh, in his defense that like, she's had like, it seems like many months, like six months or not six, like two months to be working at him. And she probably has read his book or whatever and probably has a really good idea of how to take the hooks in. So, yeah, it probably, probably true. Happened to anybody. Other stupid or other dumb humans in this episode. Uh, I think everybody on the Delos board, but I guess personified by the dude who got muted. How do we feel about the guy in the club who was staring at the video on the wall of the wolf eating prey and he was screaming, <laughs> shadow people, shadow people, because that guy is either the dumbest or the smartest person we saw. Yeah, that guy's having a good time. I'm going to give him a pass. Um, th- I mean, I guess there were there weren't a ton of... Uh, you know, I mean, there were a ton of humans in this episode. I guess you could also give it to the the security guard, the the inside security team who who did not think of that there could be anything further amiss when the whatever tranquilizer or whatever they were using on Dolores wasn't working. It just seems in a world with this many possibilities that when the drug isn't working after three tries, you're not just like maybe you were plugging it in wrong. You know, I mean, it could just be like like I don't know if they have the concept of hosts or androids or something, but like. Maybe she has some sort of defense set up to it. Maybe she has some sort of chemical immunity. Maybe she's, you know, she's a freaking secret agent. Like, we know this about her. I, that, that part seemed kind of dumb. But anyway, Liam is my winner for this, ep- for this category. Now, anyone on the Beta Olympics? I think that's what they call the drugs. The Beta Olympics? The Beta Olympics seem to make you, um, they take you somewhere else. Listen, in this world, I think going somewhere else is a good decision. So, anyway. <laughs> um are there any theories of this th- theories from this episode that we need to uh, that we need to touch on, or have we covered everything? Uh, we've covered most of the stuff. I mean, I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, just the opening credits are completely different. I think that's just worth touching on because it starts out. Yeah, with, please do because I never watch them, and you pay a lot of attention. So tell us what happened. I think they can show the broad outlines of the show. So, for example, last year season two, it ended up kind of foreshadowing the dark stain. It was basically that the season two theory of people are bad is kind of foreshadowed in the season two. I'm curious what it does for season three. So you've got two people or hosts swimming all the whole, most of it's underwater and they're swimming toward each other. And then it turns to eventually one person breaking the surface with their hand and then breaking the surface with their head. And then they, it becomes what two people again, and then they're swimming away from each other. And then it ends with them kind of reaching for, the surface seems like they're drowning and then the face opens up and it's all black inside. I wonder if it means it's very similar to James Delos's speech in season two of you thought there were two fathers, one above and below, which is like God and the devil. But it turns out it was just one with his reflection laughing back at you as in God and the devil, are the same person. It's just Great about line. your perspective. 
That's the idea. I wonder if this says something about humans and hosts and Dolores are just the hosts becoming just as bad as people. I wonder if that's the lot. That's the the broad outline of that. The other one is just there's an eagle being built and flying. Obviously, an eagle's many things, freedom, soaring, um, but also a predator. Uh, I think there is a relationship between freedom and, and prey that the show's going to explore. And also the eagle flies too close to the sun and seems to be disintegrating as it flies, which is also, I think, pretty representative. And then also the host is dipped into this big bath of like red liquid, which obviously is supposed to indicate blood of some sort. I also think it's interesting that the, the AI Rehoboam, or I cannot pronounce that name and I I will try to get it, but it's made of red stuff. I think obviously it wants you to think that there's a lot of blood, but it also might be something else about all those things have always been about like the, the white liquid has always been about um, mixing. So like season one, season two, there's so much of milk and blood. And what that's supposed to indicate is the hosts are made of like this white liquid and the humans have like red blood and it's about hosting and humans mixing and there's violence. Now it's like there's a bath of human blood. So obviously like the human world is going to be a lot of bleeding. But I also think the lingering thing that will make more sense backward is there's also the AI. Like there's so much AI in the opening of it becomes dandelions that someone blows all the dandelions away and it becomes this circle. And that's we see all the circle kind of like as the sequence between like there's a divergence in China and then there's a odd event in in London. And we're seeing the AI kind of understanding what's going on all over the world. And I think the we've been distracted by humans versus hosts. I think the AI is either going to be the humans and hosts are fighting for control of the AI or the hosts might end up fighting AI like Dolores. We don't know if Dolores wants to use the AI as a tool or if Dolores wants to fight the AI. Like, I think the AI is going to be a huge part of this. Yeah, you're right. I want to wrap up on this idea because, first of all, let's interrogate Dolores' powers a little bit. We saw in the opening scene that she knows everything about this dude, Jerry, who is a former Insight tech bro. Jerry. Um, because he went to the park for his bachelor party and, like, did some deplorable stuff. I guess that's sort of par for the course in Westworld. Um, but he was more deplorable on the outside than most. Uh, I would hope so. Um, the question, I guess, is when a, when a guest goes into Westworld and they scan their brain and they keep them in their little book in the forge or whatever, do they have the entire history of that person's brain on file? Or is it just things gleaned from their time in Westworld? I don't know if there's any way to answer this question. That is an excellent question. I was confused when I first saw this episode and I saw that scene. I didn't really understand what was happening because now I, I've watched it again and it make, it's clear that he's she, Dolores is replaying the memories he had at home of his right. wife. It's not like what he did. And I thought it was like, oh, she's going to play all the bad things he did at Westworld. No, she's replaying the bad things he did at home, but it's where did they get those memories? So every time Dolores right, has been those saying- Those memories were after Westworld. Exactly, because Dolores has been saying, I've read your book. What I thought that meant was I've read your DNA because there's a scene in season two where they explain humans are just 10,000, 14,000 lines of code. It's a, a human is a brief algorithm, which I thought was referencing DNA. And if you understand someone's DNA, you can understand their actions. But that doesn't mean you can understand their memories just by getting DNA, unless I fundamentally misunderstand DNA. So the idea that, they, like, because they, apparently, the, apparently, again, the whole brain scanning project of season two was like, oh, they had scanners in the hats, which is right. amazing. The whole thing depended on that. But I guess what they're saying, yeah, is that they were collecting people's memories from they that's how they were recreating people they were recreating people because they were scanned everything in their brain so yeah i think that they the implication of the first scene was they have the entirety of human memory of 
everyone who went to Westworld, which is crazy that that can be a thing. You can be scanned and all your memories can be put in the cloud, which is nuts. It would have made more sense if when he woke up with a gas mask on, if he had also had like a cowboy hat on. And then we would have known that Dolores was like reading his brain right then. But anyway, what do we think? I mean, Dolores is, is clearly very interested in uh, Rehoboam and, and, and somehow gaining control or access to this gigantic AI that's governing all of human activity. You asked the question. I don't think there's an answer to it, obviously, yet. But like the, the, the question is going, is the question going to be what, what, what she wants to do with this, with, with access to Rehoboam, right? I mean, I mean that's, until that's, we hear the, otherwise, that's the journey of the show. Until we hear otherwise, Dolores wants to destroy humankind. She has talked too much about destroying cities and ending the human world and taking it over to that. That's the goal until we hear her say something else. That is what she wants. Cause she said it so many goddamn times in season two that she wants to take their world. I want to take their world that I think she wants to take their world. And Oh, look at this. There's a computer. Like it's not a computer, but there is a massive AI thing that controls the world. So I think that's it. All right. Well, we will find out what happens hopefully in coming weeks. Um, I think we did a pretty good job of breaking this down. Um, it's a, we're, we're in the future. Uh, the present tense is the future. And, um, we're in a shiny new world full of hover cars and, uh, construction robots and, uh, and widespread drug use. I guess probably not too different from and the world we're living in, but cool. Crime outfits, on the gig though. economy. Crime on the gig crime economy. Crime on the gig economy. That must Gotta exist. Gotta get your stats up. That, that app already exists. If it doesn't, I'm going to start it. There is, ta- there is like a task rabbit for crime. There has to be. What would or you, you call just it? Order a task rabbit and get them to commit crimes. Guys, tweet us what you would call your gig economy crime app. If so, I will be shocked if anybody comes up with a name better than Rico. But yeah, well, Rico's ba- taken. What, what's um, oh, Rico! No one's. I think Rico's the perfect name for that app. I can't imagine. It's it's easy to remember, easy to spell, easy to find, and it is the perfect name. Yeah, but there's so many more fun puns you could do with Uber and TaskRabbit. Anyway, like what? Uh, Ugh. Black Mask Rabbit? I don't know. We'll figure something out. We will uh, be back <laughs> one week from today um, with our instant reaction to Westworld Season 3, Episode 2. Um, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys checked out our preview episodes. If you're still very confused about what happened in the previous seasons, we have episodes on this on this uh, feed that go into everything that happened in Season 1 and Season 2. And um, we'll see you back here next week. Thank you, Danny. Keep your head above water, David. I'll do the best I can. Talk to you soon.